Hi all, this is the Sober Runner podcast, a podcast where I, the Sober Runner, talk to guests from all walks of life. We engage in conversations about alcohol, nutrition, well-being, fitness, running, among many other subjects that will hopefully make a difference. The main purpose is to have fun and learn at the same time. Please enjoy. Today's guest is an old school friend turned pro footballer, making over 500 career appearances, scoring 143 goals over a 17 year career. He's now working on Sky Sports as a pundit. Um, I talked to him about his life as a pro athlete, what it takes to be a pro athlete, how they eat, how he eats, and obviously if alcohol was a big part of his life. Uh, Please enjoy. So, good evening, everyone. This is uh, Lee, Sober Runner, um, and this is the Sober Runner podcast. And um, sitting opposite me is, uh, or saying that on the screen, socially distanced from about 15 miles, I reckon, um, <laughs> is um, someone I'd describe as, I wouldn't call him a lifelong friend because we haven't seen each other in about 17 years, we think, but someone who um, I, um, I've known since we were kids and shared some some good good times together down in our street in Dagnum. Um, but he went on to do a bit more than what I did. Um, so I want to welcome uh, Errol McLean. How's it going, mate? I'm good, thank you. Very yeah. good. Yeah, right. First things first, I want to get this out in the open, right? Do you remember going into our head teacher's office once? And singing the song Sandy out of Greece. Vaguely. Do you not remember vaguely. it? Vaguely. I vaguely remember it. I can't I, it's not a um It's not there. It's probably a memory I tried to it's probably a memory I tried to delete. <laughs> it's um, um Miss Miss I do Mrs. vaguely remember Mrs. Hawk. I remember something like it. Yeah, um, Miss Hawthorne. Remember her? The name, yeah. Yeah. So Definitely we, remember Miss Hawthorne. Um, go on, mate. But I can't... Yeah. I, I, I can... See, now you've said it, yeah. I can I can vaguely remember it. But I can't... It's not a... Um, it's, it's not, not bright at the minute. I'm sure if the more I think about it, it will it will come more to well, my mind. Well, you'd be pleased, pleased to know it's not on tape or anything like that. Thank you. Thank for that. Yeah, yeah. But I do remember us, me and you, um, for some reason, practicing it, at, probably outside your house or my house, and um, going, right, this is it. We're going in. Why on earth did, why um, did you do that? I don't know, but I, I didn't dress up as like Danny Zuko or anything, so. I don't know. I think you were Sandy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. Who knows? Anyway, so. I just want to go out and then the last thing, just so I can get some bragging rights against, you know, towards other people. Was I faster than you at one point? I've, come on, man. Give me yeah, something. you were, yeah. Was I? Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just knew it. So, anyway, listen, thanks for coming. Thanks for giving me your time, mate, tonight. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more after about bits and pieces. 
Um, but mainly I'm on here because, as you know, I'm doing this podcast to um, not make anyone aware, but running's become part of my life. Um, no drinking alcohol has become part of my life. My mental health, my well-being has become you know, pretty big over the last few years. Um, so in theory, I wanted to roll that in to, into what you've done in your career and, and see if I can pick out some uh, things that people might take off and take, take on board. Um, so starting with, I know that, uh, what was it, 99 maybe, till 2003, you was at Leighton Orient, is that correct? Uh, when you first started out? Yep, yep, yeah, that would been right, yep. Was that your first club? Yeah. Okay. And then you went out on loan to Grays? So, no. Go on. Uh, no, for, so from, I was at Orient, I did two years YTS, two years pro. Yeah. Um. And then from there, I left and went to Aldershot. Mm -hmm. So I got released from Leighton Orient. I'd had two bad injuries in my two professional years. Okay. Um, well, the end of my YTS going into my, going into my pro, mm -hmm. and then I got another bad injury. So I'd, the first time I'd had a, it's a Liz Frank fracture, which means it fractures between your big toe and your next toe. Okay. It fractures down the middle and then splits. Split, okay. So that was quite a bad one. Then I came back and then I broke my ankle. So I had to have a metal plate for my ankle. Um, and I was in and around the first team, coming on sub. I was always a sub. I was never looked at as, as a starter Okay. Um, for whatever reason. And then when it came time for contract time at the end of my second year, they said, look, we've got too many strikers, more experience. So we're gonna to have to let you. So okay. I then went to order shop. And, and um, how, how old was you at that point? So leaving there, I would have been about twenty, I think. All right. I think I was and, twenty when and, I left. And as a twenty-year-old, especially back then, a few years back, as a twenty-year-old, how did you deal with that in your mind? As in your well-being for someone to say, as you know, you're twenty, you're going bang. This is this is me, man. I'm going to go and have this. And then all of a sudden they go, look, we've got too many strikers. Um, we're going to have to let you go. How, did, how, how would you have took that on as a 20-year-old? Well, that was tough. I, I, I found that really tough because for me, I'd, I'd already had a setback before I left, before I went to Leighton Orient initially. I'd been at Chelsea for six years. Mm. And I'd, all I'd ever really known was like Premier League teams. Mm. I'd been at Chelsea and, you know, I'd, come out of school early and go to training and go to games and whatever. So I was kind of in that bubble. Then I got to 16, didn't get offered a contract. And then it was all of a sudden, it was like, right, what am I going to do now? Mm. Luckily, one of my friends was at Leighton Orient at the time. Who was that, who like, was that by the way? Uh, Simon Downer. Okay. Um, he was at Leighton Orient and we'd gone to school together. Like he's, he's one of my close friends. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, look, they, Leighton Orient want you to come down and, and have a look at it. Like, they want to sign you. So that kind of helped me through that period because leaving Chelsea, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't, you know, I was only 16. I didn't have mm. an agent or mm. anything like that. It was literally like, go and find your way. Um, and it was a little bit similar when I left Leighton Orient to go to Aldershot. I didn't know much about non-league football. Aldershot were a team that would literally just get promoted into the conference, which is the, the league below professional mm -hmm. 
So going there, it was almost like if I go here and it doesn't work out, the chances of me be, becoming a footballer uh, are slim to none. Mm. So getting my head around that was was that tough it, at the beginning. That it might not happen. Yeah, and it was it was a case of did, if did it you, doesn't happen, mm-hmm. what do I do? Yeah, you I was, was going to say, did you have a plan B? Not really, no. No, no it was I'd, from leaving school at 16, mm. I'd gone straight into football. Mm. So, you know, I'd, I wasn't qualified in, in anything else. I didn't know anything else. Um, and I'd always just thought, you know what, I'm going to be a footballer. So that's kind of what I concentrated on. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so, so you know, when you just said, like, uh, uh, I, I was always going to be a footballer, is that... I mean, that's a, it's a, obviously a great thing to have that confidence that that's what you're going to do. Did you take that all the way through your career when you had bad times? That yeah, although I'm I'm injured or whatever, I still think I've got this, and I still think I am good enough. As as I got older, mm. I had that. Um, right. Earlier on, I I always questioned myself. So the whole time I was at Leighton Orient, I. When I played in the youth team, I'd score most weeks, and it was that youth team football was pretty easy for me. Mm. But then when I stepped up into the first team, I didn't believe that I was as good as other people would say I was. Mm-hmm. So, I've, as much as I was in and around the first team, and I've always, I've always had a certain amount of confidence about me, yeah. but when I was actually out there, I would almost sometimes look around and think. Am I really good enough to, mm. to be here? Am I really good enough to be able to actually yeah. make a career out of this like, and get to the levels that I want to? Mm. You know, I'm prepared to work hard for it. And I was always prepared to do as much as I could, do as much extras as I could. Mm. And in training, in games, give everything that I've got. Um, that side of it was, mm. I found that easy. But actually convincing myself that I'm actually really good enough to be able to to get to where I want to get to, for for a long time, I, I kind of had to battle with that. Yeah, okay. So you know, like um, again, I, I do this podcast as a, a, a to talk about nutrition and stuff like that, just so it gives people an idea of what pros in any kind of sport have to do. So at your age, at kind of say twenty, twenty three, or even when you're just about to leave school, when you ended up at a professional club, especially at Chelsea. Did you notice then, back then, that there was a strict regime with food? As, as, as much as, I mean, you know more insight about pro football than what I do. Compared to now, of what these top players have to do with their nutrition, did you have that then at Chelsea? Or any of the other clubs? Uh, Chelsea, not so much, because Chelsea was, was more schoolboy football. Yeah, um, yeah. Going, once I signed at Leighton Orient and was kind of as a YTS and it was more strict. The diet was, you know, we did have to watch what we ate a lot more, um, but not massively. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd have training and we'd, we'd go back and we'd all go to the cafe together and have chicken curry or chip, fish and chips and whatever. And, you know, we, it, was, it was nowhere near no. what it is now. You know, you look at the athletes now and everything is all about your nutrition, your weight, your body fat, you know, there's 
there's so many different tests that you do, even in your hydration. Mm-hmm. You know, now, yeah, first thing in the morning, you walk in and you have to do a urine test to make, sure, like you're to make sure you're hydrated enough. That's quite crazy. And if you're, if you're not hydrated enough, you don't train or you have a certain period of time to get your hydration to a certain level so that you're, you're able to go and train. Um, and listen, now, because you, because you have to do that every day, yeah. the lads now just make sure that first thing in the morning they're That's drinking enough. They yeah. So that you, when you come in, there's, there's not really many I mean, issues. I mean, you've been through the, the leagues as such. You've played at Premier Championship, League One, League Two. Um, was that the same all the way through? In those leagues, or as the further you go down, it's obviously there's not going to be as as many nutritionists floating about and kind of things like that. So, how was it as you stepped up and graded up within the? Yeah, the higher you go up. Yeah. Yeah, the higher you go up, the yeah. the more strict it is. Okay. Um, I'd say once I, I'd say probably from Peterborough. Um, mm. Once I got to Peterborough, I signed for Peterborough when they was in League Two. Um, mm under Keith Alexander, God bless his soul. Um, and when I first went there, it was very, very lackadaisical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just turn up, you know, if we was training at 10 o'clock, you turn up at two minutes to 10, mm. quickly jump out your car, run onto the pitch, go and train. Okay. You know, it was very... Then when he got, he got the sack and Darren Ferguson came yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally overnight, the club changed. Okay. Um, Darren Ferguson came in with a totally different, just a totally different attitude. You could tell that he'd come from the top level. Yeah. Um, in terms of punctuality, you know, mm. being on time, getting in early, mm. um, the food that we eat, you know, he made sure that we all ate together, made sure we all ate the right foods, you know, uh, the, he brought in a fitness fitness coach and a nutritionist that would provide us with the supplements and Mm -hmm. you know just the whole everything about the club just totally changed did you enjoy that did that change your game oh massively massively yeah massively it um it i I felt like i was at a proper club then yeah you know i'd been at leighton orient which was an average league two club i'd been at aldershot i'd been at Grays. yeah in non-league so Going to Peterborough, at first I thought, oh, right, I'm going to Peterborough League Two, but they, they've got aspirations of, mm-hmm. of progressing. When I first arrived, it was anything mm-hmm. but, you know, I looked and I thought I was probably better off staying at Grays, yeah, you know, in terms yeah, yeah. of how it was run. Um, then Darren Ferguson came in and then I felt like, right, I'm at a proper club now yeah. and I've got a re- I've really got a chance of I'm yeah. really kicking on. I, I could feel my game in, improving. And you've got, yeah. As, uh, you know, I'm just on a personal personal view. When I hear someone like yourself say that about nutrition, um, uh, taking that into my own life, as in stopping the drinking and, and and really being mindful of what I eat before I go running, before I even play football still now, um, a few years back, Saturday afternoon when I'm about to go and play, and I've had a, a bit of a night out the night before. I never even noticed it until I stopped, until I really, really thought about it and thought, you know what, I've got a game tomorrow. Maybe I'll eat this. And then in the morning, I'll have a decent breakfast, nice, healthy breakfast. And I did. I, I felt not my game change because I'm sort of past my game changing as in, 
tactically yeah. and all that kind of thing. But I mean, as in my motivation, just to get on the pitch and go, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling alive here. You know what I mean? I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. Better. I'm gonna. I feel better than some of these blokes I'm playing against. Yeah. So, um, as what about um, drinking culture? I don't know if you drink now, and it doesn't really matter. But was there a drinking culture within the clubs that you was at? I'd say all of them. I'd okay. say pretty much, pretty much all the clubs I've been at, there mm. was a there was a drinking culture, like socially. But mm. it was always done at the right times. Um, there was, I don't think. Well, I know throughout my whole career, there would be, there has never been a time where before a game I've gone out a night, you know, a night before yeah. or had a drink yeah. or anything like that. Um, in terms of professionalism, throughout the clubs that I've been at professionally. That side of it, yeah. it was always done at the right times. But yeah, after you know, when when I was at Hull, especially, I'd say we'd on a not a Monday, but a Tuesday after training. Yeah, we knew we'd have the Wednesday off, so all the lads would come to Leeds. Mm. We'd we'd all go out on a Tuesday. Um, a Thursday, sometimes we'd go out um, just more just socially as opposed yeah. to going out drinking mm-hmm. but Saturday night after a game it was you know once we've had the game and win lose or draw the lads would be the lads would be out in league yeah and, that's fair enough. and enjoying it and yeah and and, and was like, it gone I think I think it was similar at Peterborough and but at Peterborough that was kind of what really bonded us yeah. you know we socially we had what Peterborough had done, they'd bought all the best players from non-league. So mm-hmm. myself, George Boyd, Craig McHale Smith, yeah, uh, Chris Welpdale. Mm, they'd bought all the all the best young players that were in non-league, young, hungry, and then they kind of added a few experienced ones who had played either at that level or or above. Mm-hmm. And because we was all so young, we all socialised together. So every weekend we'd all be out in Peterborough together. Mm-hmm. We all bought houses in and around each other. Everyone had to live within a, a certain radius of the club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But we'd all bought houses near each other. So socially, because we had gotten so well away from football, when it came to football, it was, it was just like you're playing with your mate. Yeah, and that's that, good. I think that was the catalyst for us being so successful. It's, it's strange you talk about how... Uh, how it, there wasn't there was a there was not a drinking culture as such, but it was a kind of very um, healthy drinking culture, as in a few beers here and there, nothing crazy. When I spoke to Paul Parker the other week or the other month, should I say, he was like, back in the early nineties, it was fucking you know crazy. You know, people yeah. were they were heavy drinkers. He wasn't personally, but a lot of players he played with, even at Man United, were he- heavy yeah. drinkers. And, and I find that a bit strange. So for me, pers- I kind of listen to what you're saying and, and I think so, maybe money at clubs has done that uh, and what's at stake is a bit more. Um, and as, as time's gone on and football has become a massive business, there's more of a kind of the manager and the directors are like, hey man, we're paying you money to be the best. You know what? Like- it's, not even so much the, it's not even so much the, the managers and directors. Mm-hmm. It's to stay in the game. Ah, okay. You know, the, okay. The, the levels, the levels each year go up and up and up. So, you look at ten years ago, 
playing in the Premier League yeah. to playing in the Premier League now yeah. is it's a different ball game. Mm. All everyone is an athlete. Mm. You know, they're mm. big, strong, powerful. So you have to adapt to that. So being where years ago they could go out drinking and then just turn up and play, you can't do that no more. No. You know, if you want to be able to compete at that level, you can't do that. Is that still the same for, 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 for non, you know, uh, your League Twos and stuff? Because that's obviously got a lot, a lot more involved and there's a I lot think, more. I think it's the same. It's the same as you filter down because, mm. listen, players that were playing in the Premier League, players that would have had an opportunity of playing in the Premier League before, don't get that opportunity now because there's so many foreign players. Mm. So the Premier League are very multicultural league now it's, it's yeah. more foreign more foreigners than there are english mm-hmm. so yeah uh, top in, so the top english players now play championship level and then the players that should be playing championship play league one so mm-hmm. it filters down so the professionalism is still still intense. improving as you yeah as you go down the pyramid mm. the professionalism is still right up there and there's league there's league two league one clubs that are run as if they're premier league clubs you know in terms of the yeah, nutrition yeah, yeah. and the Mm. the way they the way they look after themselves so mm-hmm. but it is it is you can't you can't expect to be playing at those levels and mm. performing if you want to still treat your body how they did yeah. 10 yeah. 15 years ago because it's, yeah. it's so, you won't be able to compete you've now retired from football do you still keep yourself in in, in condition yeah i've, I've always yeah, I, I and you know what? I just I've never I've never wanted to be. You know, I just always I've I've always had a decent physique, mm-hmm. um, and I always I just want to keep that. And I think yeah. especially now transitioning into coaching, yeah. I don't think going out there and and looking sloppy would would do me any favors. You mean you, know, like, I, you mean like Steve Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've that's why I said it but no I, I, I agree with what you're saying you know you're, uh, you're setting examples that's yeah. all you're doing yeah. you're setting big examples to say look I'm still you know I'm, I'm retired exactly. but I'm still doing this so you've got to follow this is that exactly. and, and luckily for me the, the clubs that I've been at so when I, I was first team coach at Ebsley mm. um, under Daryl McMahon mm-hmm. who probably runs 8k a day wow. just because you know every morning or after training he'll go out and do a run or he'll go in the gym and do a session why, um, does, he do, why does he do that why does he do the run just because he wants to look after his body just uh, to look uh, after himself uh, and uh, i think also yeah and also i think when the lads see him doing it mm. they don't have an excuse to not do it no because he's 37 and yeah. he can he still does it yeah. So, for for them to not do it, it's almost like how comes you're playing? You want to progress and achieve things, mm-hmm. but yeah, you don't want to do the work. Yeah, I'm done and dusted, and you're and I'm still doing it. So I think that comes down I'm to what you were saying. Yeah, I think it comes down to what you said about filters and the filtering down the leagues. Even at that level, you've got you know 37 year old manager. Um, you've got you've got to up your game, you know, and keeping keep. Uh, yeah, keeping with with what the growing trends are—not growing trends, but how it's moving, how these managers are moving. They're getting younger. They're getting younger as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Are. And even 
I don't know, sex, something's just come up on my computer. What's it say? I've no idea. Oh no. Here we go. Oh, we're back, we're back. We're back, we on? They, um, yeah, it was a um, virus, oh. antivirus thing. Oh shit. Um, well, hold on a minute, you can't say that at the moment, you know that. What sort of virus is that? It ain't, you can't get coronavirus for a screen, can you? Oh, no, no, I hope not. I've got to work on Saturday, I hope right. not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, listen, I'm going to kind of cut to, the, to, 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 to a bit forward. Um, so you keep yourself fit. Uh, do you run at all? Running, I've, do you know what? I've never really been a fan of running. No, you're a short runner, it's aren't you? You're, 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 a, you're a... Yeah, yeah. See, any, if, you, if you speak to any player that I've ever played with, they, all, they always say... I'm the worst runner, oh, okay. like the worst, because in a game I can run constantly. Yeah. When it came to like preseason or track running and stuff, I was mm. useless. Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm all about first. I, yeah, I yeah, prefer, yeah. like, when we used to do doggies and stuff like that. Anything explosive, I'm all yeah. over it. Okay. When it comes to long distance running, my body just, it just doesn't react well to it <laughs> at all. Well, so, I'm not really, I'm not really a runner. I like cycling. Okay. Cycling cool. and, and, and I love a rower. A rower, any kind of bike or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's more my thing. Fantastic, mate. Listen, um, I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to make this massively long because what you've just put in there is, you know, um, you've put out a lot of, in, you've put some input, you've, you've, you've thrown out the screen, all these little bits and pieces, nutrition and all sorts. But I will say, uh, you know, I've been watching you from, from afar as I would. Um, and now you're on Sky Sports, which is fantastic, isn't it? Is that, is that, are you enjoying that? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's, um, you know what, it's something that I never, I, I always looked at it and would have loved to have done it, mm. but the opportunity never came up. Did you think you had it in you? I thought I had it in me because I feel like I'm just a talker. You know, okay. so in, in terms of talking about football, mm. I, I really enjoy it. You know, I yeah. love I love yeah. dissecting games and yeah. analysing. So that side of it, I always thought, yeah, do you know what? I, I think I'd be good at it. But I didn't actually think I'd get the opportunity. And it's mm. almost, this coronavirus has almost been a blessing in disguise mm. because I got, I got let go from Peterborough because they had to make cuts. Mm. because of coronavirus mm. and then from do it from leaving peterborough the next day i did an interview on sky sports interview on talk sport and then sky then kind of approached and said look you know would you would you be interested in in doing some some yes, punditry I, for us yes i would <laughs> and then <laughs> and then yeah yeah and it's kind of just gone from there and then now uh, i'm doing sky saturday i'm doing bt sport yeah i see that so man. it's you know it's it's yeah, it's it's developing nicely, and it's like I say, I'm I'm loving it. It's yeah, I was going to say, really you, you do sound like you're enjoying enjoying life, and um, there must have been something in the water, in that banjo. There must I'd have been something so. in there because I'd around so. or around that area, because there's a lot of creative people that have come out of that area, um, so, and some good. Here's one for you. Here's on. one for, are you still doing it? Because you was in a band. Yeah, of course. Music. I was fucking. It was like. I've been playing. Like, I, was, you I, like I am now. I am <laughs> you have to beat that out. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Um, yeah, I've, I I carried on playing music for a long, long time, and um, 
I started writing and I'd done some some stuff with uh, Alicia Dixon and things like that and writing and um, right. I, I performed I performed loads and loads and loads of places, but I must admit the last few years I haven't I just haven't had the t the time or the energy. Um, I've done a bit some live stuff from through lockdown and that, and I do enjoy it and I, and I will get back to it one day. But um, I'm in, I'm enjoying other parts of my life more. Uh, namely still playing football and, um, and and getting the running and the kids and you know I'm still enjoying that side of it but yes I, I, I did and it was it was only because of Tony Doughty really it was only because of Tony Doughty that I ended up playing music because remember he used to have that port cabin at the back of his garden yeah and he was playing drums once and I think we may have it might have been me I don't know playing football over my screen and he said and I thought fuck I can hear him playing drums i'm gonna go and knock on his door and for some unknown reason although we did used to do a bit of singing all of us down that street yeah i just knocked on the door and said tony you know you know i'm a singer don't you and he went no i said well i am and that's what we done we, we started playing music together and then we i just went on from there yeah that's good fun nice. all right here's a fact so do you know who actually got me into playing football my dad yes Okay, they'll be yeah. pleased to know that because they keep going on about it, yeah. right? So, yeah, he just went, why don't you, why don't you bring anyone over, you know? He'd be, he'd be all right. I said, well, he should be. He's, he's lightning. We'll have him. So, yeah, he, he, he did, and um, it was very nice. Funny, I, did a, I did an interview mm. a, little, a while back, and, um, and I was talking about it, and I was like, listen, I never, I never wanted to play for a football club. No, and I think I just I don't know I, I loved playing when we used to just play in the banjo and yeah. and that I loved that but the thought of actually going and playing for a football club I just no. never wanted to do it and it was Ray that was like listen look come out just come over mm. if you enjoy it and then we went over to JB yeah and then yeah well so I don't I don't remember you playing for the team that long either yeah, I, I, yeah don't I don't think I played, played for the B team for, for long. I think no. I went to the A team. You went up and then it went from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was um, a good place, I, I feel, you know, a good place to sort of be where we was. Um, mm -hmm. and, and kids might not get as much as that no more because it was a safe, yeah. it was a very safe place to be. And there was, you know, hundreds of kids over my screen and the older ones, you can go and play football with them, they didn't care. You come, you yeah. know, come and play football, and um, being in the playground at Marsh Green with uh, El Sinclair and uh, do you remember El Sinclair? Yeah. You know, being on the playground with them and playing them, and uh, it, it kind of honed. It you honed. know, what? I think just nowadays there just isn't. That's just not available anymore, or no. the kids don't want to do it anymore. You know, I think that's that was the biggest thing for me was growing up. So when we was young young around marsh green playing mm. just playing football then when i went to secondary school robert clack mm. and again all my group of friends would finish school and we'd go over to the cage mm. and we'd just play football until it got dark mm. and then we'd do the same again and the same again and then when the days when i wasn't playing football with my friends i'd be just out on the green just having a kick about kicking the ball against the wall or mm. practicing kick-ups and things like that and Football was literally what kept me out of trouble because so many of my friends was out doing yeah. God knows what, oh. but it just kept you out of trouble. Yeah. You know, it just, 
And I knew my mum wouldn't be very happy as well. Well, so. I, was, I was about to say, there's no way Alicia's ever met. You know? No chance. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, my, my, my eldest still plays. Uh, young Henry, my 11-year-old, um, very good left footer. You don't fancy it. Um, but they don't seem to have the facilities around here, you know. There's nowhere to just yeah. get over there. It's just, I don't know. Is it compu- it's probably computers, you know, they've got phones and it, it seems to... It's, I think it's, technology it's, definitely played a massive part. Mm. Um, and I just, I think also, listen, when we was young, we could just leave our doors open and we used to mm. walk in each other's houses. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, there wasn't any phones or anything. You know, no. you'd literally just, right, I'm just going to go and knock for Lee. I'm yeah. going to go and knock for whoever, whoever you want. You know what I mean? James, I'm going to go and knock for... Like, it was it was fine. You just went and knocked on the door, walked in. Yeah. You can't do that now. You know, yeah. and I think, again, that, that plays a massive part in in mm. how, the, how the kids are developing and how they're growing up. Yeah, and maybe as well, I think that the, because they see football on the telly a lot, there's so much on the... And, and that's... I mean, I ain't going to... Because you're, you're now working on the telly, but... There's so much of it on the telly. Um, it's quite hard to decipher sometimes, you know, to, to separate yeah. yourself from it, from actually going to play it or yeah. watch it. You know, kids, yeah. a lot of kids would probably just rather watch it on their, on their, on their set, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And I think that that might be a little part of it. But, you know, there's still good clubs out there. There's still good grassroots clubs out there who are trying really hard, I think. Uh, especially mm. here in Wickford, we've got a, a really good setup, really good club. Um, who I play for, um, yeah, and, it, and it, it there's still some positive, positive people out there for it. But I've got one, I've got one last question for you. Did you score one, one goal in the Premier League or two? One, one, right? How many goals did you score for Peterborough in rough ballpark? I think it's in and around eighty odd. Okay, eighty something. In your head, or in your heart, what is better? Scoring one in the Premier League, or scoring all them goals for Peterborough? I'd say Peterborough. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Peterborough's my club. Yeah. You know, like, Peterborough's... Yeah. And we, you know, I had... I say three promotions. Yeah. It's actually down to two. The, the, the third one... I'd left halfway through the season right. and signed for Hull. Right. But I finished, I think I left with 17 goals or something yeah. like that. So you've done your so season. Played, it's a good season. Yeah, I kind of done, I'd played a massive part in, mm. in helping them get to, yeah. get promoted. Yeah. Um, and the times that I had there, you know, was, was the best time. That was the best, best times in my career. Yeah. You know, getting promoted to, to the Premier League with Hull was, was amazing. But, you know, I was, I was a kind of a bit part player. You know, once once Steve Bruce came in, he kind of had his ideas of the direction he wanted to go. And yeah. you know, with with those kind of managers, if once they're given money, they want to go and spend the money yeah, and and bring in a, a better quality of, of player, which I totally understand. You know, so I played probably I think I only ended up playing about twenty games in in that season. Mm. Um, Whereas at Peterborough, I was, you know, I was like one of the main men. Yeah. And the goals really contributed towards something. You know, at the end of a season when we're when we're celebrating promotions, 
you know, I've, I know I've played a, a huge part with with my goals, and yeah. you know, so I think they they mean the most to me than anywhere I've played. You know, my goals at, at Peterborough mean the most to me. Well, that's, uh, that's you've gone with your heart, which I think is the best thing for you. Um, right, so I'll wrap it up. Right, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I really do appreciate it, and maybe we'll have a five minute chat when I when I turn this off, and then I can kind of edit my swearing out. Come out. So thanks very much, mate. I really do appreciate it and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Cheers, pal. So there we go. Aaron McLean. Um, I'd like to thank Aaron for giving me uh, some of his time, uh, giving me an insight into his career, um, having a good chat about old, old times. Um, and I'm hoping that the listeners... Uh, take something out of that uh, with regards to uh, bettering yourself. So once again, thank you to Aaron McLean. Stay tuned for the next episode.